I'm Billy Hollowell, and welcome to the Prodigal Stories podcast, a show where Trey Goins Phillips and I take you through some of the most important stories of the day, stories of hope, transformation, and intrigue. On today's episode, we sit down with Dr. Tony Evans to talk race, division in the church, and how Christians can come together to help our culture. We'll also be talking about his new book, Oneness Embraced. So with no further ado, let's welcome Dr. Tony Evans to the Prodigal Stories podcast. Tony Evans, thanks for joining me today. Good to be with you. Thank you. All right. So your book, Oneness Embraced, let's let's dive into this because this topic is, it's a timeless topic, right? But right now in culture, in society, the, the divisiveness on every level, it seems like the racial divide has just intensified everything from CRT in schools down the line. Why did you choose to tackle this in book form? Well, like you said, the division is so palpable. The uh, vitriol is so visible. And because I believe that God won't skip the church house to fix the White House, there needs to be an awakening of the church to the, the biblical principle of unity and why it is critical to seeing God move, not only in our midst, but through us into the culture. And so I wanted to do a definitive work that addressed it from a racial perspective, but it can be applied across political or social lines as well. You know, one of the issues, it feels like it's one of those topics that people freeze up. Like the minute it comes up, people don't <laughs> want to talk. They, and it's like, you know, especially as Christians, we should be able to talk about it. And I don't know if it's the fear of being wrong to or saying the wrong thing. I mean, there's so many layers to this. But then there's also the political layer and there's the, the things that come in and cloud it. So talk about that a little bit. Why do you think the church today, like you would think we would be hypothetically, after the years we've had and the time we've had at a place where we could talk about this in a way where it wouldn't be a problem, but yet it is. What do you think drives that still? Well, I think we're talking in the wrong direction. You know, we, we purport instead of CRT, I call it KRT, uh, Kingdom Race Theology, where Paul says he, God is creating something new, one new man. What we wind up doing is we wind up having a long conversations about an old man. We are living in the rearview mirror, not the windshield of the newness God has done, which is this unity. If we would spend talking about the unity and then apply it back, rather than talking about what's back and throwing in unity, we'd be talking in God's direction. The other thing is we need to maybe just define unity. Unity in the Bible is oneness of purpose, not uniformity of persons. And when we understand that those differences, God is not colorblind. He's just not blinded by color. And when we understand that, then we can then be focused on what the issue is for God and not what just the problem is for us. Right. And it seems like people just on the whole, even outside of the church, right, you have events happen and everybody rallies around and it creates contention. Obviously, what happened with George Floyd you had people really wake up and say, okay, what's going on? And you kind of have a move of some people saying, okay, we're anti-cop, we're anti right? Then you have, and this is a small group, then you go over and you have an event where a cop is killed in New York City, right? Mm-hmm. Two cops are killed in New York City, and suddenly everyone's pro-cop, right? And so you have these swings, and you it's like, swings. Why, why can't we be complex people, because we all are, and say, let's there's so many layers to this. Let's sit down and talk about it. Like, why can't we do that as people? Well, what, what you don't have is a unified church that does it. And so you have a disunified culture that can't do it. And until there is legitimate unity, which is uh, uh, without compromising the fundamentals, it is 
operating on the same page. So we are the gathering place yeah. for the solutions. We are the gathering place for the discussions. We are the gathering place for the recommendations. If that were to happen in the civil rights movement, <clears throat> laws were changed because the church became the centerpiece for discrimination, ending Jim Crow laws and the like. Uh, and and it, it galvanized uh, and became the voice to the culture. It really became the consciousness to the culture on that issue yeah. from a legislative standpoint. Well, we, we discontinued that when we should have and do now need to continue that unified presence. Yeah, I mean, the church should be the place where this conversation's happening. Absolutely. This should be the centerpiece of it. It shouldn't be some political group on either side having, it should be we should be leading that conversation. Do you ever find it hard to tell your story, times you felt discrimination in light of just, you know, the tension, right, of this issue and the assumption that people have? I mean, there are a lot of people who will say, well, we've just moved beyond this to a point where it's not an issue anymore, so we need to talk about it. And it's clearly an issue because here we are talking about it. Right? <laughs> so fighting so about it, it. Right. Is it ever a challenge to share those stories and talk no, about it? No, it's not a challenge for me because I talk about those stories in light of my bigger goal. And my bigger goal is kingdom unity. And so if those stories will help see the illustrate personally the need for it, yeah. then it is shooting toward that goal. The problem is we have these discussions about the problem that don't have specific solutions to bring about the goal of resolution. Sure. And so we can talk forever about that. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So, so we need to have answers, and that's what we've tried to offer. So, and people can read the book, dive into all this, obviously. When it comes to the CRT issue, it's another one of those issues that if you go to people and you say, what is CRT? 30 people are going to give you 30 different responses. So this is the complexity of it too. But there there is clearly something going on where people are uncomfortable, they're upset, they're frustrated on both sides. How are we to navigate that as believers, that particular issue? Well, CRT has, like you said, many iterations. It's like a firecracker shooting up and exploding and now you got lights everywhere so you don't know which light is the original one. CRT was basically addressing how discriminatory laws embedded the structures of society so that even when those laws were changed the fruit of that embeddedness continues in various ways and to various degrees. Okay, but now when you add Black Lives Matter to it, 1619 Project to it, you know, right. you've got all other kind of iterations. And organizations, these are organizations with, with a creed, right? right. So, yeah. you, you got organizations, and then you have movements that use the same name. You right. got Black Lives Matter, the movement, so it gets convoluted. So what I try to explain in the book is what these movements are, but then I move people from the movement to say, what does God's word say we ought to be saying without spending all of my time writing a book about the movement? Right. Because right. there are going to be iterations on that later exactly. on, and I'll be outdated. And by the time, I was going to say, and in a month, right. there'll be a whole that, new slew of groups. That, that's right. <laughs> if you have another incident, if you yeah. have another police shooting or shooting of police, right. you, you, you're really back in that spiral again, yeah. and you're starting from scratch. Whereas if we're starting from... You know, we give a three-point plan in the book for churches to, to use to begin this process of becoming the centerpiece, the epicenter for community well-being, unity, harmony, and stability because of the presence of God's kingdom in the midst of their community manifested through church unity. So let me ask you what I think might be a tough question, but I think it's an, an important one because I hear it a lot from, you know, there'll be atheists who will say, okay, you know, 
Christianity must not be real because here are the Christians. They're all, you know, they're all divided on this issue. They're all over the place, and they're and they're claiming that they have the Holy Spirit guiding them, but clearly they're they're everywhere. I mean, how do you respond to that kind of critique on this? Well, I would say that the Bible is so honest that it deals with that disunity even among biblical writers and biblical times yeah. with, with New Testament <laughs> churches. So your complaint to us yeah. is a complaint that God has with his people since the church began. But that does not change his standard. That does not change his goal. Neither does that change the possibilities when we conform to it. But when we do not conform to it and when we are more cultural than Christians, then you'll see the same problems in the church that you see in the culture. Yeah. And that, I mean, that really feels like, I mean, my standard has been, am I following my faith first or am I following politics first? And uh, for a lot of my life, I was following politics first and I was just kind of dragging my faith along with it. And I do think a lot of us struggle with that. Yes, and I yeah, think that yeah. and, it, and maybe it's not politics. Maybe it's an organization. You know, if I'm a member of an, if I'm a member of Black Lives Matter, right. Mm-hmm. And am I following the creed of Black Lives Matter? Not the statement, the organization. Or am I following my faith? Right. Right. And when those things conflict, making sure you're following your faith and not, you know, so that's that's a big thing. And and I know one of the things that's gotten a lot of attention is looking at America and our history. And, you know, there's sort of the let's not talk about any of the negative history that happened. And then there's sort of like the, you know, let's only focus on the bad parts Mm -hmm. and. And, and basically we can't honor anybody because mm-hmm. they had slaves or they did these bad things. How do you how do we navigate that and find a healthy place of honoring the country and where we've where we've been able to come, but also acknowledging what happened? Well, I think part of it is, is the solution is what you said. Uh, the Bible is full of failures. It's full of people who did not live up to the biblical creed. Yet it's also full of forgiveness and restoration. You don't skip the sin but neither you do you deny the success and when you have both truth being spoke about spoken about both in this case slave owners uh, who were not being true to the constitution that they were fighting for but at the same time who put together the constitution that allowed for freedom to be argued and taken advantage of so both have to be true uh, the, the the which issue, is fascinating by the way i mean yeah. it is it is fascinating how that dynamic, and it, yeah, it's just very interesting. Yeah, it was a flawed application of freedom. It wasn't a flawed view of freedom. And when you distinguish between the two, then at least you have clarity about the discussion. Yeah. Because we all fall short in applying truth we know. Now, it was to the detriment of a lot of people. So it wasn't a small thing. People should know about it. People should be educated about it. But people should be able to also move from it to a more perfect union and the best group to help achieve that would be those of us who have a biblical framework for government yeah when we see um moments in the bible where race is dealt with and racism is is dealt with you know i know there are a lot of again you go to the atheist community and they say things like the bible condones slavery which is not true i mean we can go through all this we know that that's not true there's context and understanding and what and what's going on um, but but how is this issue, like what story for you kind of emerges the most in your mind when you think of race in the Bible and how it's dealt with in a way we can learn most? Well, uh, Galatians 2, Peter's eating, um, I say, pork chops with the Gentiles. <laughs> he finally found out he could eat pork. So, And uh, some of his Jewish brethren show up, and not to offend them, he removes himself from the Gentiles. And Paul condemns him. 
and says, you're not acting in concert with the truth of the gospel. Well, now, Paul, Peter's already a Christian, so he's not talking about the gospel to get you to heaven. He's talking about the horizontal effects of the gospel on earth. And then he quotes my favorite passage, Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, as Christ who lives in me, the life which I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Rarely do you hear that verse preached as part of that story. But that verse is Paul telling that to Peter about his racial discriminatory, prejudicial attitude and actions. So when you look at your identity in Christ in that context, now you see it's a gospel issue. So if yeah. you're for the gospel, you've got to be for against racism and for reconciliation. Do you ever get tired you know, on these issues? Is it hard? I mean, you, you are a consistent voice. I've interviewed you many times. We've talked about this issue, and you watch the culture, and you pray, and you hope that it's going to change and it sometimes seems like it's not is that hard for you well i get frustrated with the church because i don't have high expectations for the culture so my frustration is when the church is not aggressively addressing the major thing in in um john 17 23 to 25 jesus says perfect them in unity so they may see my glory which means God will not manifest his glory in illegitimate disunity. So we're blocking God from answering the very prayers we're praying. Wow. Well, and you look at, I mean, look, there's a broader issue going on. I saw the Barna survey the other day where it was parents, I've been saying this quote and stat over and over because it's so shocking to me this week, parents of preteen kids who call themselves Christians. These are Christian parents of preteen kids. Only 2% of them have a biblical worldview, according to this survey. And they define what a biblical worldview is, and it's what you would say a biblical worldview is. And to me, that's like a that's a bigger crisis of, you know, just not really understanding the gospel within. Now, you can say you're a Christian. We know not everybody who says they're a Christian is, but clearly there's a disconnect there. And and I don't know if it's the culture. I don't know what it is, but that seems to be the broader problem at the top of all of this. Well, you know, when when we when we um detach ourselves from a biblical foundation and and culturize ourselves with the environment in which we live we wind up watering down our faith and that is what has happened we've allowed our faith to be watered down so that we're not disciples of the kingdom we are christians who are accommodating the culture and that's not what we've been called to do but because we don't want to suffer and we don't want to be inconvenienced, <laughs> we do that on every level. And, and it begins to feed itself and flow so that church becomes an event you go to, not a people you become. And you're only seeking the things that are going to make you happy and feel good. Happiness because, becomes right. a goal within itself. And that's know? not what we're, I mean, we're told we're going to say it's a promise that yeah. we are going to suffer. Now, we shouldn't go look to looking for suffering, exactly. but we should understand that that comes with the full commitment yeah. to Christ. Don't go looking for persecution. That's right. <laughs> but, no. but don't, it, but don't it, be shocked it, when it comes. Yeah, right. It'll, it'll, it'll find you. <laughs> exactly. Well, listen, final question for you. You know, we're here talking about this. What do you hope people take away from oneness and brace? I hope they take away the importance of unity and the plan that we set forth to begin to engage unity in your life and through your church for your community. You get enough of those going that you can, you can change the atmosphere in the nation, led by the church, opening the doors for the gospel. Tony Evans, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Good to be with you. That was Dr. Tony Evans, and I've got Trey here with me now. We're going to break down that interview. Trey, what did you what did you think about all of it? I mean, it was so good. 
Yeah, I think it was honestly just so refreshing, right? Because I think this conversation is so often incredibly awkward and it's like you feel heavy going into this conversation for so many reasons. I think one of the reasons being that it's so divisive. It's particularly, I know I might get myself in trouble with this one, but it's it's so divisive when it's approached from the left and it's it's deeply hopeless so often in the secular world. I'm thinking of like the white guilt type stuff and the privilege stuff that goes in both directions. So it's encouraging to hear Tony Evans speak about it. One, obviously as a Christian um, from a, a gospel centered approach, but also he's speaking hopefully and he's really directing his comments toward the church because like he says, and like I firmly believe, I know you believe Billy, the church scripture has the answers to these questions. We just need to find a way to communicate it effectively. And I think he does a good job of doing that. Well, and you just mentioned something really important and I'll probably get myself in trouble now, but since you've opened the door to that, that's fine. Uh, you know, so this whole usage of language, language matters, right? And when you mm -hmm. use certain words that once people hear them, they are not going to pay attention anymore. Once they hear those words, they're done with the conversation. This is when you talk about race, this is often what happens. There's terminology that is used. And you might even find that people might agree on certain ideas when they're explained, but you yeah. can't even get to those ideas because the language alienates people. And in this interview and in every discussion I've ever had with Dr. Tony Evans, he has never used any of the language that might cause that, right? I don't know if that makes sense, but any of the language that might trigger people to not want to be a part of the conversation, his language is always um, used in a way that brings everybody in and allows mm -hmm. for there to be sort of a, a common space to discuss what really is one of the most complex issues of the day. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've heard Dr. Evans say this. I've heard other people say this, uh, that so often when we have these conversations, we're talking at each other and we're really talking maybe to our particular camps, like our audience of people who, who agree with us. And uh, in a social media era, I think we're going for retweets rather than going to actually learn something about somebody else. Uh, so we do often use those buzzwords that you're talking about uh, so that we can you know, increase our clout. Also, maybe it's uh, so that we can make ourselves feel better about uh, who we are and our actions. So it's like, well, if I just say all of these really nice buzzwords, maybe I will be kind of forgiven just because, you know, I'm, I'm saying all the right language. But if we just keep it at that, I, we're not actually doing anything that's helpful. You know, I think we have the solution to these issues and it's in scripture. And I think something really important that Dr. Evans said at the beginning that I've heard a few people say uh, since all of this started really, and I mean, it's been going on for many, 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 many years, of course, but it kind of became, it bubbled to the surface in 2020 uh, as, as a, a topic that we were all kind of invested in. I think as Christians, we need to realize that God didn't create a hierarchy of human beings. You know, there's there's no difference in our value. He didn't create different races, uh, even though that's the word that we use now during you know in this conversation. He created one human race, uh, and and we're we're the ones as a result of our sin that introduced the the differences that we have these these invisible divisions. That's not to say that God didn't create differences. He did, uh, but he didn't create these these differences in us to be points of division. 
uh, they really are just supposed to be a tapestry of God's image. So I think we need to start with what we agree on, what we have in common, instead of starting with our differences, which I think that's often where we get tripped up because all of these conversations that we have start with what makes us different. Absolutely. And then sometimes they end there. I mean, that's yeah. like you just you, you throw everybody into that mix and let's focus on where we're different and let's get everybody ginned up and angry. And then there's nothing after there's no hope. There's no solution. There's nothing. It's just that hopelessness that you were talking about before. And I I found it particularly interesting towards the beginning of the interview. You know, he talked about he said, quote, I believe that God won't skip the church house to fix the White House. Mm-hmm. And then he went, and which by the way, every time he speaks, I love it because he does it. It's just complex enough where you really have to listen, but it's simple enough where you pull something really profound away. And he then went on to say, there needs to be an awakening of the church to the biblical principles of unity and that it is critical to seeing God move, not only in our midst, but through us into the culture. You know, this idea that the culture is sick and in chaos because the church really needs an awakening to come in and actually provide. This is the place where these conversations should be happening. And yet we're fighting just like the world is about these same topics. Yeah. And, you know, I think when you look at the secular world, it seems like the end result is often to be more divisive. The end result is to notice the differences where in in the church, the end result is to see the difference. You know, you see the differences, but the end result is the gospel. So we have in common the same end result, which if we have that in common, uh, if, if we have Christ in common, the differences become secondary and even sometimes tertiary uh, to what's actually bringing us together. I mean, we can look through, throughout Scripture and see that. Uh, we see that God highlighting masculine and feminine traits. And then Paul in the New Testament is talking about the different spiritual gifts that we have in celebrating their unique value uh, in the, the different parts of the body of Christ. Uh, so you, there, there are certainly times throughout Scripture where the different parts of the body are celebrated, but the end goal is the same, right? We're all uh, in this to glorify God and to spread the gospel. So I think as Christians, we certainly need to be noticing our differences, but we need to be seeing how can we harness those differences to achieve the same goal, which is loving God and loving people. And until we get that in order, like Dr. Evans was saying, how can we how can we transport that to the rest of the world? No, absolutely. And I think that's the that's the key. And of course, all of this was a discussion really centered around his book. Um, his yeah. latest book is called Oneness Embraced, and the subtitle is A Kingdom Race Theology for Reconciliation, Unity, and justice. And I think, I mean, there's just so much to talk about. And in the book, he actually talks about critical race theory, systematic racism, Black Lives Matter, white privilege. And he goes into these, these issues. These are some of the, you know, the buzzwords, of course, that do cause a lot of frustration and do really get people ginned up and, and fighting. And I just, I loved the conversation. It was a powerful conversation. I always enjoy getting to talk with him. And, uh, you know, Trey, the cool thing about this show is that we're going to have another episode tomorrow. So there's going to be yeah. two episodes back to back. I mean, why, why do we just offer so much wonderful content to everyone? Why? <laughs> I don't know, but it's, it we, we love doing it. So it's, um, but, and uh, we said this on the last episode, I, the world is so inundated with all kinds of craziness, like absolute craziness as Christians, we can see the world and it is absolutely turned upside down, but we want this podcast to be, 
the opposite of that, to see the hopefulness, to see how God is working in the midst of all of our sinfulness and all of our craziness, even with topics like this, topics like race, which are, it's so divisive and so difficult to talk about. But in this conversation with Tony Evans, it's so, it's on, you know, it's perfectly displayed that there's a good and fruitful way to have these conversations and we can walk away feeling edified. I love that. What a good way for us to end today's Prodigal Stories podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode. We will see you then.